Turn in your Bibles tonight, if you would. I'm going to read a couple scriptures, but if you could turn in your Bible, turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25, and before we get there, you can turn there, but I'm going to read uh, scripture that we have uh, been taking this series from, and it's Joel chapter 3. And it says in Joel chapter 3, verse 14, Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. How many of you guys ever found yourself in a circumstance or situation where you had to make a choice or a decision and you didn't know which one to make? I'm sure we've all been there before. Maybe some of you are there right now. Uh, you know, we face that all the time. We have to face it. Do we, you know, have service next week? Do we just take time and get ready for grand opening? And as we prayed about it, we thought, you know what, let's make a decision to, uh, you know, make preparations for grand opening. Every day we have choices. Matter of fact, Galatians chapter 5 paints a great picture of this when it talks about how we uh, have to make decisions either based on the spirit or based on the flesh. And if you read Galatians chapter 5, starting about verse 20, you see this battle going back and forth that we have to make decisions. And if I, if I make a decision to walk in the Spirit, then I'll fulfill the desires of the Spirit. But if I make decisions that, that satisfy the flesh, so I'm going to walk according to that. And if you read it in the New Living Translation, it actually paints this picture of this battle going back and forth. Of what choice am I going to make? What decision am I going to make? And so we've been talking about choices. And the Bible says in Joel, multitudes, multitudes in that valley of making decisions, in that valley of choice. As we started this series, we talked about that we believe that there are three essential reasons why we don't make good choices or why we don't make choices at all. Okay? We understand that we will stay in the valley of decision, and the only way we'll stay there is if we don't make a choice to get out. Okay? And so that valley of decision, that valley of choice could be a lot of different things. It could be a financial valley. It could be a relational valley. It could, it could be a valley. That valley represents a lot of different things, but you only stay in that valley if you choose to stay in that valley. But you can get out of that valley as you begin to make good decisions and you begin to live on those choices that you make. And so we decided this, that there are three essential reasons why people stay in the valley or why they don't make good decisions or why they don't make decisions at all. And the first one we talked about was people don't know how. Okay? Now, I know as you mature, you learn how to make good decisions, but how many of you guys have learned the hard way? Okay, yeah, I, I'm one of those people that learned the hard way. I have great parents, I have three brothers, and, you know, I watched them make decisions and get disciplined because of their decisions. You would think, as the youngest of four brothers, that I would watch them make those stupid choices, and then I wouldn't make them. But I'm a lot like a lot of you, and that is I have to learn the hard way, and so I make the decisions because the younger, you know, if you have three older brothers, you think you can learn not how to make good decisions, but how you can get around. You know what I'm talking about? So I can still make the dumb decisions, but learn to escape the punishment. Didn't work for me, okay? That's why I have no bottom today, all right? Uh, because I got spanked a lot when I was younger, okay? And uh, just kidding, that didn't really happen. Well, I did get spanked a lot, but I was born this way. Anyway. <laughs> So I'm like, really? You got spanked a lot? Uh, but I, I learned the hard way. A lot of us have to learn the hard way. And so a lot of us don't know how to make good decisions. And so we talked about how to make those good decisions, how to make those good choices. Another thing we determined here is that a, a, lot of, a lot of times we don't make choices or we don't make good choices because of fear. And we talked about that last week, that fear in our life, fear of failure or fear of what others might think or uh, different types of fear that we talked about last week. And those fears can really influence our decisions or our choices. Well, tonight, I want to talk to you about desire. I believe that a lot of times we don't make good decisions because our desire for something can override our better judgment to make the right choice or the right decision. 
Okay? So my desire, my desire for the, the latest and greatest, my desire for that new phone can override my, my, my ability to make a good choice. I don't have money for the phone yet. Okay? My desire for, you know, that house. Well, maybe I don't have money for the house yet, but my desire for overrides my ability to make the right decision. My desire for that person can override my better judgment, you know, that says wait until you're married. Okay? And so there's choices we have to make, but a lot of times our choices can be determined by our desire. And one thing we're going to see tonight is that if we make decisions bad decisions because our desire overrides our ability to make the good ones, not only will it cause an immediate effect right then, but it can actually be a long-term effect. That it can actually begin to detour you from the dream and the destiny that God has for you. Choice is this. Choice is an act or instance of choosing the right power or opportunity to choose. In other words, we believe that choice is one of the greatest powers that you and I possess. That you and I daily, Galatians 5 says once again, have the ability to walk according to God's word, or we have the ability to say, no, we're going to try it on our own, okay? And we believe the ultimate greatest decision you can make uh, with that power of choice is following Jesus Christ. Well, tonight as we talk about desire, I want to give you that definition, and the definition of desire is this, to wish or long for, to wish or long for, to crave or to want, to wish, to long for, to crave or to want. And that desire, that, that, that wishing, that longing for, that wanting can sometimes override your ability to make a good decision. When we were in Vegas, we had uh, the garbage truck would come along on Tuesday and pick up our trash. Every Tuesday. Boom. Well, my daughter got to understand that. And so one of the things she loved to do was either Monday night or early Tuesday morning, because I would forget sometimes. Early Tuesday morning, she would help me grab the trash cans. And we would drag them out, out there. And, and uh, one day we were dragging them out there. And, uh, and she goes, you know what, Dad? You work really hard. And I said, well, thank you, baby. And she's like five years old at the time. She goes, you know what, Dad? You, you work a lot, too. And I was like, I do, you know? I was like, where is she going with this? So we're dragging the trash can out, and she goes, you know what, Dad? I've decided what I want to do for my life. And I said, what's that, baby? She goes, I want to be a trash woman. <laughs> Being the good dad I am, I never discourage my kids from any of their dreams, okay? So I didn't say, that's a dumb, you know? You want to be a trash woman? Okay, I said, why do you want to be a trash woman, baby? She goes, because, Dad, they only work on Tuesdays. <laughs> her desire to not want to work a lot, you know, overrode her better choice to choose a different job for her life, okay? So now she's going to be a trash woman. When she goes up, I'm making her stick to it. Once she chooses, she has to stick to those choices. I remind her every day, you're going to be the best trash woman ever. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they don't only work on Tuesdays, okay? Somebody's trash gets picked up on Wednesdays and so on and so on. Desire. <laughs> Sometimes our desire for something can override our ability to make a good choice. And we just talked about that. I remember for me personally, um, I've obviously had a lot of opportunities because I'm so old. I've had a lot of opportunities to, to make choices much like you, but I remember when I was younger. Now, having three older brothers could either be a blessing or a curse, okay? And uh, I'm about two and a half years younger than one of my brothers, and, and I was probably about six at the time, and my dad was a pastor in, in this place called Plummer, Idaho. Probably you've never heard of it, because it's like a dot on a map, if you're lucky. And we were, we were, it was like a Sunday night service going on, and, and there was nothing for kids, and so me and my brother, we found our way into like the Sunday school class, and uh, we decided to play. And as we're playing, uh, we find this bowl full of money. And my brother looks at me. Now, mind you, he's eight and a half, and I'm six. He looks at me and goes, hey, Ben. I'm like, what? He goes, I got a good idea. And I said, what is it? He goes, let's take this money and go buy some candy. 
I'm six, okay? And I look at him and I'm like, okay, you know, sure, candy, you know? And uh, there was a part of me that said, where did the money come from as we were playing hide-and-go-seek and whatnot? And, and uh, I was, so I started asking questions. I was like, well, what is that money? And he was like, I don't know. I found it in the cupboard. And I'm like, okay. And uh, he said, but here's what we need to do. We can't go out the front door. We need to jump out of the window to go buy the candy. Now, that probably should have been like a flag, a red flag that went up and said there's something wrong going on, okay? But I'm six, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, come on, candy? Hello? You know? I'm six. And so I'm like, okay, fun. We're making it adventurous. Let's jump out of the window, you know? And so we jump out of the window, and we're like ducking behind bushes, and that maybe should have been another hint. Why are we ducking behind bushes and things like that? But it wasn't. I'm six, okay? And so I'm blaming it all on my brother. He's eight and a half. And so we walk about two blocks down to this little corner grocery store. I don't know how much money it was. It seemed like a million dollars back then, but candy was like, you know, a penny, you know? And so we, I mean, we both bought just massive bags of candy, and the guy kind of asked us, like, where are your parents at? You're six, you're eight and a half, you know? And we're like, oh, they're just, you know, they're waiting out in the car, you know? And I'm like, why is my brother lying, you know? That should have been another red flag, but it wasn't. I'm six. And so, you know, he's asking, oh, they're waiting for us out in the car, you know? And, and so we literally got these two big bags of candy. And, and so then when we get home, my brother's like, we need to hide the candy. Yes, I know, it should have been another red flag that maybe we did something wrong, but it wasn't. And I was so excited, and obviously my brother was so excited about this candy that we stole the offering from the church. Okay, that's right. I stole the offering from the church. That's, that's why I'm a pastor now. God's punishing me. And making, I'm just kidding. And so we stole, the, we stole the offering from the church to buy this candy. Like, once again, I don't know how much money it was. I don't know if it was the children's offering or if it was my dad's salary. I don't know, okay? All I know is for the next month we were eating candy, and that's all we had. And I'm like, where's the food, Mom? Where's the food, Dad? Anyway, and so we had all this candy. We hid it. Well, one day my mom, you know, like a good mom, was putting clothes away, and she, she found all this candy. And she came, and, and uh, she said, do you have something you want to tell us? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And, and anyway, I found out that my oldest brother ratted us out. Unbelievable. But my desire for the candy, are you with me? Has anybody ever had that happen? Maybe it's not candy. Maybe it's the car. Maybe it's clothes. You know, people don't rack up credit card debt because they have self-control. People rack up credit card debt because they have a desire for something that they can't afford. And their desire for, listen to me, okay? Uh, You know, the average credit card debt, I think now, is up to like $42,000. What the average, that's the average, ladies and gentlemen. I know what mine is, okay? And so there's some people out there with some serious credit card debt, okay? Uh, it's mind-boggling. But listen to me. We don't get in that kind of debt because we have self-control. You know, I, I can't believe they're sending credit card applications to my six-year-old, but, you know, that's another story. But we don't get in that kind of debt because, you know, we have self-control. We get in that kind of debt because we don't have the ability, at times, to make good choices. Why? Because our desire for something... Are you, are you with me tonight? Okay? Our desire to buy something, our desire to have something... Okay? overrides our ability to make a good choice. You know what? I should probably wait. I should probably save money. The only problem is then the little thing goes off in your mind, but if I save my money, by the time I can afford it, it's going to be out of style. Am I the only one that's thought about that? <laughs> and so we've got to make good decisions and not let desire override our ability to make those good decisions. The, the Bible is full of people like this. You think about Eve, right, off the, right, up, right from the get-go. Her desire to have the knowledge of good and evil overrode her ability to make the right choice. Her desire to to think like God, to be like God as the enemy came in and lied to her, overrode her ability 
to make good choices. You think about others. You think about Samson. Took his vision away because he made bad decisions. Why? Because of his desire. You think about David. David's a classic picture in, in 1 Samuel, I believe, 22, where, where it paints this picture about he was supposed to be a king going to war, but his desire to do something else overrode his ability to make a good choice. And then that story plays out, and he chooses Bathsheba, and it wasn't even his wife. The Bible's full of it. You can talk about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. You all know what happened to them. They lied. Now they're dead. I tell my girls that story all the time. You know, if you lie, you're going to die. <laughs> They're not dead yet, and they keep lying. But anyway, you think about Judas. The Bible, you, can, you can go on and on and on. There's, the Bible's full of people. So this, this isn't something that's new to us. This isn't something that's only... We can read people's situations and stories in the Bible. We can see, wow, they shouldn't have done that, but they did. Why was that? Because of a desire. But we could rewind your life and see, man, you made a bad decision there. Why? Because of a desire for something that you had. We must realize this... That sometimes by letting our desire override our ability to make good choices, we begin to forfeit our destiny. Let's read now Genesis chapter 25. We'll start in verse 19. This is a story of, of, of two brothers, Esau and Jacob. Here it is, verse 19, Genesis chapter 25. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Armean, and Padanaram, the sister of Laban, the Armean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her. And she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. And two peoples are within you. They shall be divided, and one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red. All his body was like a hairy cloak. I'm going to be married to that man. No? Okay. So they called his name Esau. Afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. This was who he was. This was his destiny. This was his dream. This was what he was to do. While Jacob was a quiet man or a metrosexual, dwelling in tents, he liked to cook things and knit things and like me. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. He was a mama's boy. Like me. Verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field. And he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, sell your birthright now to me. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is this birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised 
his birthright. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments we have together that, God, you would speak to us out of this passage. God, we would hear what it is you want us to hear. God, and we would literally, God, take your word and apply it to our lives so that we could begin to make better decisions, better financial decisions, better relational decisions. God, we begin to make better decisions that take us further in our destiny and the very thing that you have in place for us. Lord, we thank you that your word is living and active tonight. Let it come alive in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight in Genesis, I want us to see this picture. We see the picture of two brothers, and it paints a, really a parallel, and it paints one of them as, as really a man's man, okay? He had a lot of hair, okay? You know, I don't know how hairy that is, but he had a lot of hair. He was red. He liked to hunt, okay? So in today's terms, he would probably be like, he would like to just get a 4x4 four four and go 4x4 four four all the time, okay? Um, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be living downtown in the city. He would be living out in the woods, you know, chopping logs, things like that, okay? And then there's Jacob, who was, who was more of, of, you know, kind of like to stay at home, like to be around mom, cook, things like that. Is there anybody out there? Is there any guys out there that like to do that? No? Come on, I need somebody I can hang out with. How many of you guys like to go shopping? Any men like to go shopping? Thank you. Yeah, it took you a while. Like, should I raise my hand? Okay. just want to know that I'm not alone in this world, okay? And that, that was who Jacob was. And, and you see that Esau had, he had a place. He had a dream. He had something that he was to do. And, and that was seen very clear that he was the one that went out and hunted. He knew how to do this. The Bible says he was a skillful hunter. Okay? It wasn't like he just, you know, got rocks and just flung them at animals and whatever he hit, he picked up. He knew what he was doing, okay? He was a skillful hunter. He had the tools. He had the know-how. He had the ability. Uh, Jacob, on the other hand, that wasn't his gift. His gift was something different, okay? And his gift was to stay at home and, and, and be a chef, all right? And, and he had his own way of doing things, and that was his gift. You know, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that each and every one of us have a gift, that the, that the body of Christ or the church of Jesus Christ is made up of many members. That, and it even talks about that some of you are a foot, some of you are a hand, some of you are this, some of you are that. And that's who you are. And if we put it all together, then, then the body of Christ is beautiful and it fulfills what it's to fulfill. The Bible encourages us in 1 Corinthians 12 not to be jealous of somebody else's gift. Not to be a hand and say, man, I really wish I was a foot. Or not to be an ear and say, I really wish I was a mouth. Because it goes on to say, then how would we talk? How would we hear? How would we accomplish what it is God wants us to accomplish? And so it says to be content with the very gift or how I've placed you in the body of Christ. And here's the thing. If we become content with who God created us to be because we are who we are by the grace of God anyway, if we are content with who we are, I mean, some of us are up here singing and doing worship, but you're really happy that I'm not the one doing that? Really, you are. Every once in a while, I'll bust out in song as I'm preaching, and at that moment, you'll be like, I'm so glad he's not the one leading worship. Okay. You know, that's not my gift. That's not my talent. That's not what I'm to do, okay? But if I was to come and try to do that, like, no one would show up. And, like, the glass might shatter. Are you with me? Okay? And so I just do what God's gifted me with, and he's gifted me with a mouth to just talk all the time. And so that's what I do. I just talk all the time. You can ask my wife. <laughs> She's just like... Shut up, you know. Okay, God has given you a gift. The Bible says that there is a gift or a treasure hidden inside earthen vessels. That you are that earthen vessel that God has created and there is a gift inside of you. Now listen to me tonight. I believe that you don't have to have, uh, be a Christian in order to have that gift operating. That that gift, the Bible says the gifts of God are without repentance. That I don't have to be a Christian to flow in that gift. 
But I do have to be a believer in order for that gift to fit in the grand, master, beautiful, peace picture that God is painting. Are you with me? So I can be out there and I can be a, a one-hit wonder. And I could have my, my, my moment of fame, Britney Spears. Okay? I could have my moment of fame, you name whoever. And that's great, and that might last, and you might get rich off of that, but it's not a part of the masterpiece. It's only when that gift comes under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ that now I see where I fit in, now I can fulfill. That doesn't mean you can't use that gift in other avenues and other arenas to make money. I believe God wants to bless you. I believe God wants to prosper you, all those things. But when that gift is set in with the rest of the body of Christ, now we can all do our part. Some of you are blessed and skillful musicians. Man, find a way that you can serve the body of Christ with that gift. Some of you are great at leading small groups. I know some people, man, they are good at gathering people. Man, use that gift for the kingdom of God. Are you with me tonight? And when we all begin to do our part and we all begin to function the gift that God has blessed us with, I'm telling you, the church of Jesus Christ, not urban, although urban's going to grow, but not just urban, not just the church over here, the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ will begin to grow, will begin to flourish. It's when we get in competition. It's when we begin to look at our gift and say, I don't want my gift. I want that person's gift that we don't grow anymore. Are you with me tonight? I believe God has each and every one of you here for a purpose. I'm telling you, in two weeks, as those 70,000 flyers go out, there's going to be a lot more people in this place. And we have lots of opportunities for you to serve those people. And I want to invite you to check out online or in the back how you can help serve those people. Statistically, they say a half a percent shows up. That's a lot of flyers to, to send out, just to get a half a percent. Okay? Let me just paint the picture for you. 70,000 flyers going out. Roughly, that's 210,000 people that it'll hit. Okay? A half a percent, they're telling me, is you'll get about 350 people showing up off that flyer. Okay, now that sounds, you know, that's awesome. If we get 350, but I'm thinking on the other, I'm thinking, man, 70,000 for 350 people. But you know what? We're praying and fasting. We're not just relying on media. We're not just lying, relying on, on mail-outs. We're not just relying on, listen, we've been praying and fasting for the last week. We're doing a 21-day uh, fast where we're just, God, you gave us this dream. We're going to help birth the dream. And I want to encourage you to jump on board and begin to do your part in fulfilling uh, your role in the kingdom of God. Are you with me tonight? So let's begin to look at this now. Let's begin to look at these two very quickly. Just three quick points I'm going to give you tonight about how desire for something can override your ability to make a good choice. Now in the natural, let me just talk about urban tonight. In the natural, now my desire would be to have this place filled up three weeks ago when we first started. That would be my desire. And I would make, you know, foolish choices based on that desire because you know what the Bible says? The Bible says He gives you what you can handle. Three weeks ago, we couldn't handle much more than this. But as we continue to allow God to work that gift inside of us and to give us more people, we grow, we mature. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight real quickly. We grow and we mature, and then God begins to give us more and more and more and more. You with me tonight? Desire, overriding our ability to make good choices. Let's look at it and see how it plays out in this story. Number one, if you're a note taker. Number one, Esau's desire to be in his destiny overrode his ability to make a good decision. Esau's desire to be right now in his destiny overrode his ability to make a good decision. How do we see that? The Bible says this in verse 27, And the boys grew up. Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, 
while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. The Bible goes on to say in verse 29 that Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. Let's talk about this real quickly. A lot of times in life, we so desire to be in our destiny, to be in our dream, to be fulfilling that vision that God had given you. That we forfeit what he's doing in our life now and we begin to make a decision that I'm going to put myself in that destiny at this moment. The Bible says that he was a skillful hunter. In other words, he knew what he needed in order to survive the field. Well, I better bring, I better bring some matches to start a fire. I better bring a little food in case I'm out there longer than I, 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 I need to be out there. And, and so he's skillful. He, was tra- he knew what to do in these situations. But yet, we see in this situation he was not prepared. He came in off of the field. In other words, he came in out of his gifting. He came in out of what he was gifted with exhausted and tired. Why was that? Because he did not make the right choice to take along with him the things he would need to sustain himself on that journey. You and I are on a journey. Forgetting those things that are behind, we're pressing on, laying hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of us. We're on a journey. We're moving forward. We're being progressive. We're taking territory. We're moving forward. Okay? But if we don't stop along the way and look and see what God is saying through His Word, through pastors, through the church, and through those that you've set up as, as, as uh, counselors in your life, if we don't stop along the way and listen to the wisdom that comes from them, we will be just like Esau. We so desired to be in the dream. We so desired to be in our destiny that we forgot to learn some principles along the way that would sustain us. And so therefore our desire at times to be in our destiny now Listen to me, I had a desire back in 2004. This dream has been in my heart for almost 14 years to start a church in the urban setting. But in 2004, we came very close to starting it then. And had we started it then, we would not have the connections we have now. We would not have the fabulous worship team we have now. I thought the worship team would at least cheer for themselves, but... Yeah, that's, that's me, you know. We would not have the fabulous leaders we have now to begin to get this thing up off the ground. We would not have the finances we have now. We would not be connected with ARC, Association of Related Churches, because they didn't even exist back in 2004. We would not have any of that. Had we set out, and let me just tell you this, had we set out and we done it, would have it succeeded? I don't know. Part of me thinks I would have fell flat on my face. I probably would have had one service and thought, my God, I can't do this. But you know what? I am so glad that God put a stop to it back in 2004 and allowed me to move to Vegas where I could learn some great principles, where I could learn how to gather a team. I could learn how to build a team. I could learn from probably one of the greatest communicators how to, how to speak and how to preach and how to, how to get a message, to deliver a message. I'm so glad I did those things along the way. Because I believe that Urban is going to be a great success come February 8th. And I believe a lot of people are going to be touched. A lot of lives are going to be changed. Am I the only one? No, I'm not. Gosh, baby, I thought at least you would be with me. Esau did not stop to make preparation. Are you seeing this in the Word tonight? And so what we have to do is we have to stop and say, God, what are you doing in my life now? I really want to be there. That's somewhere over the rainbow mentality. That's somewhere at the end of the rainbow there's a pot of gold. I want to be there. I want to be to the end of the... You can never find the end of a rainbow, ladies and gentlemen. 
So what do I need to do? I need to learn some things now that are going to sustain me for the journey. I remember I took a trip uh, to a, a lake. I lived in Washington State. We, we took, a, took a trip to a lake. It was me. I was a junior in high school. It was me, my friend who was a sophomore in high school, and then my brother who was a senior in high school. And, and we took a trip. And we thought, man, let's get the tent. Um, let's get the sleeping bags. Let's get the uh, flashlights and let's go. Okay? We forgot to pack something very necessary. It was called food. Okay? The last thing you want to do is leave a, a sophomore, a junior, and a senior who have never been camping before to go and make those kind of plans and preparations. So as we set out, we realized on the journey that, you know, we don't have any food, guys. And it's like, crud, what are we going to do? And we thought, we'll just eat out every night. We're camping. We're going to eat out every night. <laughs> so first we went to the store, tried to buy some food, and that, 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 that kind of got squelched right away because then we realized, well, we didn't pack any food, so therefore we didn't pack anything to cook the food with. But we were camping, Okay. Uh, we ended up somehow picking up some homeless guy along the way. I don't know if I told you this story. Picked up some homeless guy along the way, and he ended up staying with us. Which was actually probably a good thing, because the homeless guy knew a lot more about trying to find food than we did, okay? So it ended up being a little bit of a blessing until he wanted to just get drunk every night. And then we're like, dude, homeless, you, know, you go be homeless somewhere else. And, and uh, we, you know, he moved over to the camping area next to us. And so that way we could still find out how to get food. So here we are, and this, this, we wanted to go for a full week, but this ended up being like a three-day trip. We, we got so hungry by our third day. We were so hungry. Why? Because we didn't make preparations. So I thought, you know what, I got, I got like five bucks. How much? Yeah, I got like six bucks. How much? I got like seven. Okay, let's pull it all together. And back then, Godfather's Pizza had an all-you-can-eat buffet. And so I said, we are going to the all-you-can-eat buffet because we are not going to go home looking like idiots because we didn't eat, okay, because we didn't make the right... So we went to this all... Now, now think, think about this. this was the, we wanted to stay one more night. And so I said, here's what we're going to do, guys. And they're like, what? You know? And I said, we're going to grab a trash bag. Every time you go up to the all-you-can-eat, grab two pieces of pizza. One goes in the trash bag, one goes in your stomach, Okay. So, man, sure enough, man, we had a trash bag sitting on a seat right next to me, and we, we put a coat over the seat so you couldn't see the trash bag from behind. Man, I'd make a good con. Just kidding. And we put the coat there, and so sure enough, man, we'd eat one, put one in the trash bag. Eat one, put one in the trash bag. And we're like, okay. And people were kind of starting to take notice of it. We were just hoping they weren't going to tell, you know, anybody. And so, uh, so it came time to leave, and I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to go pull the car around just in case they saw us, and you just run out the front and jump in the car. We're going to get out of here, okay? And so, sure enough, I go out and get the car, and my brother and Chris grabbed the bag, and they threw the coat around the bag. I'm talking, it was like Santa's, you know, it was full of pizza. I mean, how gross is that going to be? I don't know, but it was full of pizza, man. We were like, we can make, man, we're going to stay the whole week now. We're going to eat pizza, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And uh, so we're walking out the front door, and all of a sudden the manager goes, excuse me, where are you going? And I see, them, I see them, like, freaking out, and my friend just drops the bag of pizza right there, darts for the car, get in the car, and we take off, and I was so mad. So we pulled around to the dumpster behind, because obviously they're going to throw it away, right? But they put a guy outside to wait until we left before they would throw the pizza away, because they didn't want us to take the pizza. Unbelievable. So we went home, and Mom cooked for us, Okay. Moral of the story is, make plans, make preparations. Don't, don't be so caught up in camping that you forget the food, okay? <laughs> this happens all the time, though. We don't, we don't put things in place to where we, we succeed. You think about relationships. When you get in a relationship and it's a serious relationship, can I, can I tell you something? You better have some things in place. You better have some boundaries in place. 
you better set some things up. I know there's some single people. You better set some things up to where you don't fail. Okay? Are you with me? Okay? <laughs> we, we don't need to go into that, but you've you got to set things up so you don't fail. But not just relationship. What about your finances? How many of you work off of a budget? If you don't work off a budget, can I just tell you right now you're setting yourself up to fail? Because you just got money and you're just going to go spend the money. You've got to set things up because you're in it for the long haul. But we see this played out all the time. What about with your friends? What, do you set up standards with your friends so that, man, they're not going to allow me, they're not going to detour me to do this thing or the other thing because I've got some standards set up. Very quickly, number two. Number one, desire to be in our destiny can sometimes cause us to make a bad choice or a bad decision. Number two, desire to be in someone else's destiny. Desire to be in somebody else's gift. Desire to be doing that thing. Like I told you earlier, if I desire, if I came up to Jonathan and Amanda and said, look, you guys are doing all right, um, but you know what, I'm going to play the guitar tonight and lead worship. Once again, you'd be hurting, okay? But that happens so often. Maybe it's more subtle than that. We desire to be functioning. We see something that looks cool or maybe we want to be doing this or that thing. And so now we try to become that. But God has gifted you a certain way and you've got to be who you are by the grace of God. But here we see Esau desire to be in someone else's destiny. Look at this. If we could look at Jacob's Esau as the, as the chef and Isaac's, or excuse me, Esau's destiny as being the one that goes out and gets the stuff. Look at this now. When Esau came in, he was exhausted. Verse 29, once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. In other words, let me have a part of what you have. Let me have a part of your gifting. Now, I want to I show you this tonight because, let me ask you, there had to be other food sitting around. Are you with me? It wasn't like what Jacob was doing was the only thing that was available. There had to be other things available to him in order to sustain him. But the Bible paints this parallel and it shows him that, man, I do not want anything else. I want what you're cooking. I want what you have. I want that. How many times does that happen in our life where we see somebody get a new car because they can afford it? And all of a sudden it's like you want a new car. New house. New girl. Whatever. You want that new thing. Why? Because you see them. Well, I want that as well. You try to keep up with the Joneses, you know? And you want that new thing. And so now you begin to live outside of your means because of desire. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? It happens right here in church. Sometimes we desire to be doing this or doing that because, man, they're doing that and that looks really cool. And, man, I think I could get up and lead worship like they do. And I could probably, I could probably do that. And, and I could probably don't despise the day of small beginnings. I think we should all start somewhere. Okay? But if the first thing you're thinking when you walk in the door is like, you know, I can lead worship better than Jonathan. I can lead worship better than Amanda. You might be able to, but they've paid a price. And they've been practicing every week. And so they're up here. Okay? You might be thinking, you know what, Ben, you're not that great. And I, I think I could actually communicate better than you. Fantastic. Then, you know, serve. And when it comes time, I'll let you get up here and sit on this fabulous stool. The only reason I got this is because it's fun to just sit here and spin sometimes, but multitasking. I can talk and spin at the same time. It's awesome. But we've got to be content with who God created us to be. Okay? Are you seeing the parallels play out here? So, so Esau now, he looks at Jacob and says, man, I, I, I want what you have, Jacob. I want that thing. 
Now we see this principle played out because so much so does he want what Jacob has that he's willing to exchange the blessing that's going to come upon him and say, I don't want my blessing anymore. I don't want what dad has for me. That's like saying, I don't want my inheritance. That's like having a really rich dad, okay? Having really rich parents and saying, you know what? I don't want the millions that are going to leave me. I just want what you have right now. In essence, that's what Esau is saying. I don't want that. I want what you have right now. So his desire to be in somebody else's destiny, oftentimes this happens to us and overrides our ability to make a good decision. But according to 1 Corinthians 12, 12, now we need to know who we are by the grace of God and function in that gift that Jesus Christ has put us in. Be who you are to be. Have you ever heard somebody that thinks they can sing but they can't keep a key or a, t- a tone? They're like tone deaf, okay? You don't want those people trying out for your worship team or anything else for that matter. <laughs> I mean, that involves singing. It's so hard to convince these people that they don't know how to sing because they're tone deaf. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Just watch American Idol, okay? I mean, these people actually walk on there and think they're good singers and they're like, shocked when they're like, you're horrible, get off, you're not going to, you're not going to Hollywood. What? You, it's hard to convince somebody like that, okay? But that's what it's like when you're not functioning your gift. When you're not doing what God called you to do. Some of us are great servants, and man, we can come in here and we could serve and set up chairs and clean up afterwards and, and do whatever, and, and God's gifted you. Honestly, some people are gifted with that. But yet, sometimes, well, I want to be on stage tonight. Man, can you just, just go with what God has blessed you with? Go with what gift is in your life. And I'm telling you, don't despise the day of small beginnings. God will increase it, and it'll grow, and it'll grow, and it'll grow. Lastly, and here's where we conclude tonight. Number three, sometimes our desire to be in another season of our journey. Sometimes our desire to be in another season overrides our ability to make a good choice or a good decision. Look at this. Verse 32. Esau says this. I am about to die. Now, have you ever hung out with someone that exaggerates a lot? Yeah, you're married to one. Thank you. I'm one of those people that exaggerates a little bit, okay? But it's all for the glory of Jesus, okay? I tend to exaggerate a little bit, you know, from time to time. Um, But it makes for a fun story. I don't, I don't know if he was really at the point of death. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm about to die. I mean, come on. I mean, it's just like, I'm about to die. But listen to what he says. I'm about to die. Jacob, man, what good is my birthright, man? I'm about to die, man. Just give me some food. Okay? He's playing into this thing. Now listen to this. Jacob said, okay, swear to me that you're going to give me the million dollars mom and dad are going to leave you if we put it in today's terms. And he says, okay, fine, let's do it. And he sold his destiny. He sold his birthright. He sold his destiny for a bowl of soup. I don't even like lentils. The bread sounds good, but the lentils? Mm. Now listen to the story, man. He sells his desire to get out of his immediate situation caused him to make a choice that was irrational. He wanted to be in a different season. He didn't want to be in that season. I don't want to be in this season. I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I'm about to die. I mean, once again, there's got to be other food around. 
Are you with me? He's a skilled hunter. You know, eat a raw deer or something. But he desired so badly to get out of that season that he forfeited his whole entire dream for that moment in time. How many times do we do that? How many times do we look at where we're at now and say, you know what, God, I really don't want to be in debt. Well, then why did you get yourself there? Now, I know there's times when there's unforeseen things that happen that maybe, you know, is a bad choice, bad decision. But sometimes our desire to just get out of this season causes bad decisions. I don't want to, I don't want to be in this season, and so I make a, a, a stupid choice. But you know what? You know, maybe, maybe it's like this. Maybe you desire to be out of your season of singleness, and so you just so badly want to get married. So now everything walking by will work. That's what happened to me. She saw me and I'll take that one. That's how I got such a good looking wife. She was just desperate. She's like, I'll take that one. <laughs> Score. So your, your, your desire to get out of your season of singleness now. And so you make a bad decision. Or your desire to, 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 to get out of school. I don't like the season I'm in. School. Okay, but you know what? You learn a lot in school to get you ready for your dream, to get you ready for your destiny. One thing I've learned is that if we despise the season we're in, we won't learn the principles that God wants us to learn in order to sustain us in the next season He has for us. Do you know that something happens in wintertime to get ready for spring? That wintertime is literally killing things off in the natural in order for spring to be able to do what it needs to do to get those, those flowers and all those things ready. But can you imagine if all of a sudden winter was just like, man, we're bypassing winter. I, I hate winter. Winter's, you know, I just don't like it. We're going straight to spring. Things wouldn't be as beautiful because not all, everything got killed off. Sometimes God has you in a season where he's taking things away from you and cutting things off. And man, it's uncomfortable. Man, I don't really like it much. And I really don't want to be in this season. And man, I really want to be doing that over there. And so all of a sudden, you fall. and what happens is this, is you don't learn what you need to learn to sustain you for the long haul. And most of the time, it's character issues. Most of the time, I mean, think about it now. If I didn't, if I didn't like growing pains, which nobody likes growing pains... Can I just tell you, I'm 6'6", six, six, and I experienced some really bad growing pains growing up. Because I was 6'4", as a freshman in high school. First day on the campus, everybody thought I was the teacher. And I knew nobody, because I transferred from another school. So I walk on, and they're like, oh, you're the new teacher? And I'm like, I felt like, a, how old do I look, you know? 6'4", <laughs> by, by the time, I'm, I don't know how old you are anymore, and I flunked math. But anyways, 15 or something, I was 6'4". I was some really bad growing pains. But you know what I realized? The more growing pains I had, the taller I got. Do you know the more poop you throw on a plant, the healthier it gets? I don't know how else to say that. Fertilizer, but poop just sounds so much better. That plant gets healthier. But man, if we despise those hard seasons we're in and we want to get out of those seasons immediately, we miss the growth process that God wants to, to happen in our life. Here we see Esau's desire to get out of his immediate, I'm going to die. And so he exchanges his whole entire destiny for immediate gratification. Second Samuel chapter 11, you see the same thing played out with David. 
probably, probably played out at its greatest. The Bible says in the time when kings go to war, that's the season he was to be in. At a time when kings go to war, David stayed at home. He stayed back. He, he chose a different season than what he was supposed to be in. And as we see the story play out, we see that's when David made a decision to sin in immorality with Bathsheba. Why? Because he wasn't in the right season. If you take yourself out of the season that God wants you in, you'll find sin in your life. But if you stay in the season, as hard as it is, God will increase your character, grow you, so that you can sustain the next seasons of your life. How to overcome this desire? Very simply, stay in the Word of God. Read God's Word. How to overcome these desires? Your true intentions. What do I, what do I mean by true intentions? Ask yourself, what would I do if all parties involved know my true intentions and my true desires? Imagine if you lived in a world where everyone could tell if you were speaking the truth or lying or hiding something. What actions would you take then? What's your true intentions? How to overcome these desires? Your obituary. What do I mean by that? What do you really want to be remembered for? Do you really want to be remembered for the guy who sold his whole entire destiny for a bowl of soup? Or do you want to be the guy that endured that season or the girl that endured that season and said, now, God's got something great for me. God's got a purpose for my life. Don't really like the season I'm in, but man, I'm going to make some good choices. I'm not going to let my desire to get out of the season override my ability to make good decisions. Number four, the third option. What's the third option? A lot of times we look at circumstances and situations and think there's only two options, yes or no, black or white. But if you sit there and you lay out you, you put it in front of you, oftentimes God will present you with a third option, which is to do nothing. And if you sit there long enough, it keeps you from making those bad decisions based on desire. And then lastly, sleep on your choices. Not with, but sleep on them. Yeah. I'm going to make sure that was clear, all right? Well, she's cute. No, no, sleep on your choices. What do we mean by that? I mean... Don't, if, it's a, if it's a big decision, don't make it flippantly. Man, we, we, me and my wife just had an opportunity to buy a car, and um, we needed one. Our Honda was dying. Loved the Honda. Had a lot of miles on it. And it was dying. So we, this last week, was it this last week? Yeah, this last Monday or something like that, we, we've been shopping for a long time, found a really good deal, $5,000 below Blue Book. Praise Jesus. And we've been looking and looking and looking. But you know what we did? We, we, we've been looking for a long time. So we slept on this, not for overnight. We slept on it for like three years, you know. But uh, we, we, we didn't make those kind of decisions spur the moment. Because I've noticed that spur the moment decisions, especially when it comes to financial stuff that can cost you a lot of money, man, you usually regret it later. And usually the thought is this, but if I wait, it might be gone. But if you wait and it's still there, maybe it's God. Sleep on those decisions, especially big life choices. Are you with me tonight? Awesome. Hey, February 8th, I want to encourage you guys to come back as we start our new series called Renewed. And I honestly believe it's gonna, uh, uh, just going to be a great time of renewing our relationship with Jesus Christ, learning how to renew our relationship with one another, and learning how to grab hold of that dream that God has put inside of you and renewing those desires that, to go after that dream. And I want to encourage you, to, once again, to pick up some cards on your way out tonight and invite people and uh, just believe that God's going to do great things. The number one thing I'm praying for is that God renews someone's relationship with Him. 
I know there's going to be a lot of new people coming, and I want to see those relationships renewed. The cool thing is this, is that tonight, each and every one of us have the, oppor uh, the opportunity to choose to renew that relationship right now.